Coaches of Pim Better Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Hopefully you're listening to this on iTunes right now. This first episode has been recorded, I think, six times at this point. It's been a major struggle getting the audio sounding right. And also, uh, just getting this up on iTunes was a bit of a, of a struggle for me. So if you are listening to this through iTunes, that means there's a major thanks in order to Brian Goldsman for helping me to troubleshoot all these issues I've been having. And a major thanks to Lee Syatt, who did some consulting with me to help me get uh, this podcast, you know, off the ground floor. For this episode, I want to talk about Chiang Mai in Thailand. At the end of the episode, I will provide you with some recommendations for places to eat, things to do, where I stayed and all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to start out with the story of the first time that I tried Muay Thai training, which was in Chiang Mai. So when I went to Chiang Mai this past summer, it was the second time that I had been to Thailand. The first time that I went, I stopped over in Bangkok and I went to Kanchanaburi also to do one of those tiger sanctuaries uh, and the elephant riding and all that that you see people doing and posting pictures of. Uh, Chiang Mai I liked more than Bangkok. It is more of a mellow vibe. There's less of like the constant sensory overload that you get when you're in Bangkok. And I had gone to Chiang Mai with a few things already in mind that I wanted to do. And one of those things was I wanted to do a Muay Thai training. Now I am not, or at the time at least, I was not somebody who was trained in Muay Thai at all. I had done some really minor uh, pad work just at like a normal exercise gym that had offered, you know, Muay Thai training with a trainer. And the trainer had done, you know, uh, boxing training himself, but, you know, it wasn't a Muay Thai gym. So prior to going, I researched a bit and I saw that um, Team Quest has a gym there. Uh, which is the most reputable in that area. Um, but it was a little bit outside of the city, which was a little bit tougher to get to, or you'll see in the story in a bit that at least I thought that, you know, the gym that I would go to would be a little bit closer. So I didn't go to Team Quest. Um, in fact, I wasn't really sure where I was going to go, and I almost didn't do this. But one night... I was walking through the night market. My friend Kevin, who was traveling there, uh, was traveling through Thailand with me. Um, he was in the night market with me, and we were sampling food and having a great time. And there was a younger guy who handed me a flyer, as you know, is apt to happen in in any night market. So I just kind of took it, looked at it real quick, and saw that there was a a boxer on it. There was a Muay Thai fighter. And I figured that it was advertising a fight for that night. Uh, there are at least two areas that I had seen when I was in Chiang Mai that offer nightly fights. One of those has legitimate fights, and the other one is within sort of this circle of bars. And I was told that that's more for show. 
Um, and I, I didn't see a fight at that place. Uh, so I had assumed that this flyer was just advertising a fight. So I folded it up and I put it in my pocket and I forgot about it. At the end of the night, we went back to our hotel and I'm emptying my pockets and I opened it up and looked at it and the flyer was advertising Muay Thai training. Now on the flyer, it said that you should come by the gym to witness one of these trainings because it's pretty intense, which basically that said to me, you know, this isn't jazzercise. This isn't necessarily for, for out of shape Westerners or farangs who want to just, you know, get the Thai experience or something like that. Um, the price was really cheap. It was super affordable. I think it came down to like $12 American for a three hour session. So like right off the bat, that's awesome. Um, I mean, you know, I saw for some of the other gyms to do a private, it was like a hundred bucks and back home it's like that or more. So, um, $12 was a steal. And on the flyer, it said that somebody would come pick you up at the hotel free of charge. So I'm thinking, this is awesome. I go down to the front desk and they help me to call. I'll talk later about where I stayed because uh, the folks who worked at the hotel were awesome. But they set up everything for me and the driver said, okay, I'm going to come at two o'clock the next day. So be ready at that time. So I ran over to Kevin's room and told him, that I was going to be doing the training tomorrow. And he was like, oh man, I'm into, had the desk call back and arranged for both of us to get picked up. So on the day of the training, two o'clock rolled around and we were waiting out front. Now, in various places that I've been in Southeast Asia, things don't always run on time and that sort of becomes the normal for you. Um, So, 2.15 rolled around and the driver wasn't there yet and we weren't really thinking much of it. But then, you know, it's 2.30, 2.40 and I'm thinking, geez, like we're we're missing a good portion of this training right now. Uh, I I bet the class is going on already. I don't know what's going on. About five minutes later, I think at about 2.45, a car rolled up and there was an older gentleman in the front, a little guy, And he said, I'm your driver. I'm here to take you to the gym. So we hop in the back and he starts to drive. Now, I had thought that the gym was probably in the area where I received the flyer. But we passed that area and we left the old walled city in Chiang Mai and started driving to an area that I wasn't familiar with. So I wasn't really thinking anything of it, but, you know, I I did have a, a huh moment where I was thinking, It's strange that the gym isn't in the location that I received the flyer. So we're driving for a bit and the driver pulls off the highway, goes down a side road and stops in front of a building that looks like a Watt or a temple. He turns back to me and Kevin and says, Oh, I need to go take care of a family member. I'll be real quick. So we started to protest and we're saying, Oh, come on, man. Like we're, we're super late already. And he's going, oh, no, 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 don't worry. It's all going to be okay. I just have to take care of my family. So he leaves. He leaves the car running and he goes off towards this building. So I'm looking at Kevin like, oh, man, did, did we get, are we getting hustled? Like, did we get in there some kind of a swindle going on right now? Which happens often in all sorts of things, you know, 
over in Southeast Asia and other places when you travel to and people think that you're just a stupid tourist. So about five minutes passes and the driver starts walking back to the car with a much younger guy who was tall, lean. He looked like he was in great shape and he was wearing uh, Muay Thai shorts. So this guy gets into the front with the driver and he, he introduces himself. I'm just going to call him Mark. I mean, the chances are that anyone involved in this story would actually listen to this right now. Um, is pretty slim, but just in case, we'll call him Mark. And Mark was from France. So he told us right away that he's been training Muay Thai back home in France and he came to Thailand because he's going to have a fight. So he's been training at this gym for a while. So we're like, oh, okay, maybe things are going to be all right because we're all late together. And uh, he's obviously a regular. Like, things are going to go okay. So we start driving, and the relationship between the driver and Mark is pretty strange. Like, it's clear that they know each other, um, and the driver is making a bunch of sexual innuendos and like making all these ladyboy jokes and grabbing Mark by his thigh. So I thought this was odd and not necessarily because, you know, they were both males, whatever. I don't care about that. But because the age gap was so different, um, this was a much older gentleman. Mark was younger. So I, it was just a strange dynamic. Um, and so I'm thinking, all right, like, did they know each other? It's weird. Has this guy picked up Mark before? Does this guy always pick up everyone from the gym? I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm kind of looking at Kevin like, man, what, what are we getting ourselves into here? So the driver drives for quite a while. And we even asked a couple times like, hey, you know, are, are we going to be there soon? I feel like we're super late. It's past three o'clock by this time. And Mark's looking back at us and he's saying, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be cool. So we're like, all right. Eventually we pull up to a gym with all the lights off. Looks pretty old. There's no one in there. And we park in front of it. The driver takes us inside, hands us some waters, hands us towels, and hands us some tie shorts. And there's this little like ankle biting dog, some type of chihuahua dog, who's just yip, yip, yipping away and barking at us. So the driver picks up the dog and puts him in this office area, this glassed, glassed in area. So we're looking at Mark and we're saying, hey man, like there's no one here. Where's the trainer? Where's the class? So Mark says, we're the class. And that, that guy who was the driver, he's our trainer. So I'm thinking, what? He's like, oh, don't worry, man. He's, he's legit. He used to fight here in Thailand. Like people know who he is. He's, he's real good. So I'm thinking, all right, like, here we go. So right away, the driver says, all right, we're going to start our warm-up, or I'm calling him the driver, our trainer, says, I'm going to start the warm-up 60 laps around the gym. So I'm thinking, oh, no problem. I could do 16 laps. And he yells, 60, go. So I'm like, oh, God. Start running around the gym. Now, I completely forgot to mention that before this, They had us get down on the ground and they poured this orange liquid all over us, which had an effect kind of like Tiger Bomb, which like immediately started to have a burning sensation and make you sweat right away. 
So I'm sure that anybody who actually trains is quite familiar with this, but it was new for me and also in a gym that had zero ventilation besides one industrial like 1960s fan um, and it's already 100 degrees outside, like you are sweating profusely. I have never sweat this much in my life. So I'm starting my 60 laps and I'm immediately sweating. And every couple of feet, I'm coming upon like this dried up pile of dog crap. It's all like (laughs) dusty and pale. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, like I have a friend back home who uh, rolls jujitsu and does some Muay Thai. And he's always talking about how important it is that the gym is clean and the mats are frequently washed so that you're not getting staff and ringworm and stuff like that. This place, there was a layer of grime across all the mats. And then, of course, the dog just feces all over the place that I mentioned. So while I'm running, I'm like hopping over these piles. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. But I do my 60 laps and like I run and get some water because I'm already just pouring sweat. And then he has me go off into the corner to work on some balance. And he has me up on a tractor tire, keeping my fists up and hopping on that to try to maintain my balance. After that, he's taking us through knees. And what he would do is, first he would have us throw knees in the corner of the gym, and then he would have us throw them on the bag. And he would say, okay, 100 left, 100 right. Same thing with elbows, same thing with punches. But he would constantly be asking you, like, what's your number? What's your number? I'd be like, 70. Okay. Once I would get to 100, he'd say, are you finished? And I'd be pouring sweat and I'd be panting and I'd say, yes, yes, I'm finished. You go, 100 more. I'm like, oh my God. Like, this guy was totally brutal. So then he's teaching us kicks. And this gym was so old school that he had two old paint buckets full of concrete with a broomstick sticking out of it. And that's what he was using for us to kick over to try to simulate uh, kicks to the ribs and then head kicks. Super old school. I felt like I was in kickboxer like kickboxer three or something like that um so that was trippy but it was also kind of cool to be doing this so after a while he's teaching us all these fundamentals and then he has us hitting the pads now each of your limbs is doing something different um if you're throwing with your right fist your left hand is up protecting your head If you're kicking with your right leg, you're also keeping your left hand up to protect yourself. The analogy I'll give is that I've recently been trying to learn how to ride a motorcycle. My dad has been riding since he was in his 20s, and he's trying to teach me. And it's the thing that's most difficult for me is that each of your limbs has a role and is doing something at all times. Um, You have your hand on the clutch. You have your hand, um, you have your hand on the throttle, you have your uh, foot on the back brake, um, your hand that's on the throttle is also using the front, ba- uh, the front brake. So everything has a responsibility, and it's super important that you remember what each of those things is supposed to do. And I know that eventually it becomes second nature, but... Um, 
it was the same thing for Muay Thai where it's like I was trying to remember to keep my hands up and things like that. So when I wasn't keeping my hands up, I would get a swift slap right across the face. Now, like I said, this certainly wasn't like CKO kickboxing or something like that or jazzercise. This was absolutely legit. He started uh, hitting me in the gut. He threw a kick to my ribs and I had his footprint across my ribs for the rest of the week. He really started battering us. And we all we were doing was hitting pads. So eventually Mark finishes up his training. And he says to me, man, I need some sparring partners. There hasn't really been anybody around that has been training lately. It's just been me and the trainer. Why don't we spar a little bit? So I'm trying not to look like a wimp. But also thinking in the back of my head, oh my God, this guy's going to light me up. Like for sure, the first time you're training, you're not supposed to spar. Um, maybe you could help me out on when a smart time to start sparring is. But I'm sure it's not for a pretty long time um, until you're ready to do so. But uh, like I said, I didn't want to appear like a wimp. So I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'll spar with you. So we start going and he, Mark says to me, hit me. So, you know, I'm, I'm throwing the few combinations that they just taught me, but I'm a little apprehensive and I'm thinking, man, I don't want to hurt him. So he says to me after a minute of this, no, like actually throw hard punches at me. Come on, let's go. So I'm throwing punches and man, is it different than hitting pads? Because... (laughs) That object moving is really hard to hit. And when you do hit it uh, and it's moving, your power certainly isn't the same from when you're hitting pads. So he was just clowning me. I could barely touch him. He's moving out of the way. I'm getting frustrated. So I'm throwing harder, getting sloppier, missing more. And he starts to counter. And Mark is just pinging my head around like a, a, a ping pong ball. And he keeps hitting me in the same spot right next to my right eye over and over and over. My head's just getting knocked back and knocked back. So then he throws a head kick at me, which was actually really light. But I think it was essentially to let me know if he wanted to just end my life, he could have. So I throw a leg kick right back at him against his ribs. He catches it, sweeps my other leg, dumps me on my butt. And this guy, he is just straight clowning on me. Eventually, he hits me in the face hard enough to where I'm like, I'm going to be leaving this place with a broken nose. I don't want to have to go to a hospital in Thailand. Like, I'm tapping out here and shook his hand and just said, you know, thank you, Mark. But God, he put put us through the ringer because after me, he lit up Kevin like a Christmas tree. And he must have been having a lot of fun uh, with two completely unexperienced guys just knocking us around. So at the end of all this, the trainer comes over to me and says, oh man, you did a great job today. You should stay here for a month. I'll have you ready for a fight. And I'm ah, <laughs> yeah, maybe next time. I don't think I'm quite ready for that. Um, and I'm not sure that I want to have my life ended in a ring in Chiang Mai. But thank you. So after this, he tells us to do, I think he said to do 200 setups. 
Now at this point, I am my body's literally pruny from sweating so much. It's like uh, hanging out in a pool for a couple hours. So like my arms were the skin was so soft. So when he has us doing uh, sit-ups down on the ground, the skin along my spine, um, just from, I guess, rubbing against the mat and just being so sweaty, it split wide open. Like, it was so gross. Um, And I completely forgot to mention that at the beginning of this training, when we were throwing kicks, uh, again, due to, I assume, being that by my skin was like so wet and soft from sweating. Um, the foot that was planted while I was kidding, uh, while I was kicking, uh, and it was rotating. I rotated my foot and I ripped all of the skin off of my big toe, like down to just this purple meat. And there was a flap of skin hanging out on this mat, which I then walked all over with the dirt and the dog crap and all I could think was like, my toe is going to rot off with gangrene. So I'm leaving this place with a shiner over my right eye, a foot imprint on my ribs, all the skin missing off my big toe, and the skin split along my back. But I'm going to be honest with you, I was in such a good mood. I was so happy. It was a lot of fun. Um... It felt like a pretty authentic experience and something that um, gave me a great story that I could tell my friends and my family. And earlier in the week, I'd been a little apprehensive about actually attempting to do Muay Thai and possibly looking like a fool in front of a bunch of people that knew what they were doing. Um, but one of the, the themes that I'm going to talk about over the first couple of episodes is that When you're traveling, you obviously have to be careful, and I do want to talk about safety eventually, but you also kind of have to give yourself up to the moment sometimes, um, because when you do that, you have amazing experiences and stories happen uh, to you that you never would have expected. Um, I thought that I would be entering like just a class full of people, training some basics, throwing some punches. And I ended up having this awesome experience in this old school gym with a bunch of characters, um, including me and Kevin. And I had an absolute blast doing it. And it's something that I'm never going to forget. And it instilled a desire in me to, to start training back here in Brooklyn. So if there's anything that I can, any sort of wisdom that I can impart on you from this experience is that if you want to do something, just go for it. And sometimes, um, like I said, like I didn't know if I was what gym I'd be going to or anything like that. So sometimes, um, not planning ahead can also work while you're traveling um, because you're going to meet people uh, who are going to give you advice on things that you can do, or they're going to invite you to go do things with them, and you should just go along with them because you you never know what amazing thing is going to happen. And again, be safe, make smart decisions, the same type of smart decisions you would try to make back home, but don't be afraid to try new things. Um, At least in this experience, I had an absolute uh, blast, like I said, and um, it's something that I won't soon forget. So that is my story of training Muay Thai for the very first time in Chiang Mai. 
Now I want to briefly talk about a couple of recommendations I have should you find yourself in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Kevin and I stayed at the Cozy Inn. It's within the old walled city and to the south. When we were reading reviews, some people said that it was kind of far away from the action and, you know, the places to go. But there's places to go everywhere, and I really didn't mind walking. I never mind walking. The walled city is relatively small. It was never difficult to find a tuk-tuk driver. Um, and, you know, like I said, I didn't mind walking, so it was a great location. Um, the staff were great, like I said. They helped us out with a couple bookings. And this might seem super uncool and super unsexy, but they have breakfast available every morning should you choose to have it. Now, I bring this up because I did have their breakfast uh, over several mornings, and I had like a Western-style breakfast. And the reason I did so was because previously we had been in Vietnam, and I made a poor decision and stayed out late uh, eating snails on the street and drinking beer out of a mug with ice. And I was like, my body was just ravaged for a week. I was so sick. I had to actually go get like the World Health Organization rehydration packs because like water wasn't staying in. I'll spare you all the details, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it was tough. And so that breakfast, like just having something that my body was used to was kind of nice. Again, as lame as that might sound to you, I don't know. Maybe you're like, nope, whatever. I do the same thing. Cool. So they had a breakfast. It was really good too. So um, that's there for you. I think I was spending between $20 and $25 a night. uh, So it was totally worth it. Um, We followed Anthony Bourdain's episode of Chiang Mai when it came to food. And we tried to hit all the spots that he went. The only thing I didn't do was that raw pig's blood soup. And again, it was because I had this wicked stomach bug that I was afraid was like a parasite or something. And I'm thinking, man doesn't seem like a good idea to put raw blood in my body right now. But some of the memorable things were the midnight fried chicken. Holy crap, this place is amazing. Uh, It opens up at 11 and closes at 4. Now, some of the drivers that we, or the tuk-tuk drivers that we talked to, had a hard time figuring out where this place was. Eventually, we met a guy who was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the fried chicken is famous on TV. I'll take you there. He took us. God, it is, there's a a woman who serves it all up. She's chopping up sausages, chopping up the fried chicken. We got both of those. We got sticky rice and Nam Prik Noon, which is a, um, it's essentially like a sauce. It's almost like a dry sauce, if that makes any sense, because it's kind of like congealed together, almost like a rub. And I think it also has eggplant in it and it's spicy uh but it man it went so well with the fried chicken which was some of the best fried chicken i've ever had in my life so 100 percent check out midnight fried chicken we got the cow camus from the woman in the cowboy hat man i recommend this a million times over we went there several times um despite how popular she is which i guess is in part due to the tv show um because, man, she had a line many people long, both uh, both directions, every time we went. Um, 
I understand that there are a lot of Chinese tourists that come and see her. Uh, but despite all this, she keeps her prices super cheap. I think for a small plate, it was $1 American. For a large plate, it was like 2 or $3 American. And you get stewed pork, um, rice, a you get a hard-boiled egg, which is kind of a staple over there with like the nice orange center. And you get these pickled greens, which reminded me of greens from like Southern barbecue. They were so good. Um, her food was amazing. And it was just kind of a cool experience to go, you know, see her and try to chat with her and, and have her amazing food. We also, we hit up a couple places that weren't on the episode, um, which you should certainly do. Just walk around. Something smells good. Duck into that place and have it. Coffee is huge in Thailand. So we had some great uh, coffee there. Obviously, you know, beer is super cheap. Chang is my beer of choice. Um, You kind of drink it like water because it's so hot over there that you're just trying to drink anything to cool you down. Trying to think of what was the other meal that I had that, oh, cow soy from cow soy lam duan. Wow, that was absolutely amazing. Uh, back home, when I've seen it, they've only offered it with chicken, which is what I got there because that's what it is traditionally. But this place also serves it with beef. Um, absolutely amazing. I think, again, it was like a dollar American. Get a water with it because it's kind of spicy. But the flavors are so intense. It If you've never had cow soy, it is a noodle dish, but it's more more like a stew than a soup. That um, it, wow, it's delicious. We went to Doi Sutep. So Doi Sutep is this beautiful temple complex at the top of a mountain. And there's this thing called the Tale of the Dragon, which are all the steps leading up to the temples that are um, set within this actual like dragon's tail. Um, it's totally beautiful there. When we were there, it was really overcast, which was actually amazing because we were walking within a cloud. So it just felt majestic. Uh, there's people chanting, there's people praying. Uh, there's people walking the perimeter of the pyramids together as they pray. You can light a candle. Obviously, like the pictures there are all beautiful. Um, so we loved that. And what we did to go there was, okay, so being in a tuk-tuk is a really cool experience, except when you have to go long distances over super bumpy roads. We had the hotel hook us up with a driver between the two of us, we split $30 American. And he took us to Doi Sutep, and then he took us to the Grand Canyon Chiang, uh, in Chiang Mai, which the two places are not that close. Uh, so it was kind of a steal to get him for 30 bucks, And, you know, he had waters for us. It was a vehicle with AC, and he was super personable. So I recommend, like, when you can afford it and you're going a long distance, do something like that because taking a tuk-tuk up to Doi Sutep, which a lot of people do, uh, just didn't seem like the most fun thing for us to do. So uh, it was great to have the driver. Uh, Grand Canyon Chiang Mai is a bit kitschy, I guess, but you can swim, 
You can go cliff diving, and that was really fun. Um, we saw kind of horrific, but a girl face plant into her, her own GoPro as she cliff dived, and she had to be taken out on a surfboard, uh, not moving that much, so hopefully she turned out okay. But one of the reasons I recommend going there is because, first of all, it's a way to beat the heat again, but there are people from all over the place that go there. So we start swimming, and there's a group of people with British accents over here. There were some people speaking German over here. There were Korean tourists. There are people from everywhere. So especially if you're a solo traveler who loves to meet people when they travel and you know kind of incorporate themselves into groups of fellow travelers, it's definitely a place you should go. I think, again, it was between like five and eight US dollars to go hang out there for as long as you like. The cliff diving was really cool. So I recommend it. If you can try to turn, you know, a, a driver into like a package for the day like we did, uh, that's even better. Some other things in Chiang Mai are obviously the Muay Thai fights. Um, the night markets are great. Night markets throughout Southeast Asia kind of blend together, but they're worth, you know, hitting up for a little bit and getting some things for people back home. Uh, there's a lot of cool street art. We saw some people doing art while we were there. Um, again, there's a lot of bars. Like like anywhere in that region, there's there's tons of girly bars. If that's not your thing, it's totally okay. There are um, other bars that you could go to, and you know, there's no pressure to go to to a place like that. Um, the Muay Thai fights, like I said, uh, we got manicures and pedicures when we were there. When you're, you know, trekking around Southeast Asia in sandals for four weeks, your feet get real beat up. So that was actually really, uh, really nice to do. Um, and they also like massage your feet and things like that. So it kind of helps you to become uh, refreshed. We went to Best Tattoo. There are a few different tattoo shops in Chiang Mai. Um, Best Tattoo does the traditional bamboo style tattoos as well as tattoos with a tattoo gun super clean super friendly people uh paid a lot of attention to detail um they didn't really have like any flash there but they did have some images on their website you could check out and all their ink came from america so everything was was kosher there all right so that is a wrap for episode number one. That's my story and my recommendations. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave me a rating on iTunes. And if you have any feedback, please hit me up on social media or email. Again, thanks for listening, folks, and tune in next time. Bye-bye.